This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. He is headed to Buffalo this weekend for the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. He joins us every Friday at this time, and he just found out about that last week. He is Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, who joins us at the moment. Uh, Jeffrey, I am looking at your Twitter, and I see a picture of you and Josh Allen from last week, which you put uh, out there that says, no Taylor talk here. But I have retweeted that and asked our listeners to go ahead and caption this picture. So maybe we'll have a few in the, in the next few minutes. Yeah, I, uh, I would like to say that there was no Taylor talk, but that was just during the portion of the interview that is being photographed. I ah. definitely still asked about ah. Taylor Swift. How are you? Uh, but I'm over it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? At the time, it was right after the pictures were coming out that Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game. But now, I look, I want to give them their privacy. I want them to enjoy their relationship. Well, that's clearly what they want. <laughs> I know. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man, this Swifty, this Swifty people are, are a different breed, man. That's a different deal. They are an interesting community, you know? I, I do. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that you are the one saying this, not us. <laughs> well, did you, do you not agree? Oh, you're just no, I know the Swifty. The, I think the the Swifty community is a, a group of wonderful people, and I could yeah. not support them more in every single way. I I do know that they tend to be um, quite supportive of of Taylor yeah. in every single way, and certainly act. Uh, in her defense on anybody that could ever possibly be construed as coming after her in any way like you clearly did moments ago. I do. I do appreciate the way that they inadvertently, uh, seemingly inadvertently, were trolling every football fan in America by, you know, the whole thing online with basically like wives saying to their husbands, uh, this is so great for Travis Kelsey. People will know who he is now. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it put him on the map. Q rating. <laughs> I have I have truly enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, the rest of it can. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm ready to give them their privacy. Just you know, I think we all should give them their privacy. I am praying that you would get assigned to like three Chiefs games in a row. That would be amazing. Uh, let's let, let's talk some Dolphins and Bills here. Um, we we know no Jalen Phillips. We know no Jordan Poyer now. Right. Talk to me about this matchup and what you see in this Dolphins team as opposed to the one, aside from Tua being healthy, uh, the one that we saw in the playoffs last year. I mean, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? Yeah. You know? I mean, Tua being, I don't think that, I, I, I mean, literally Tua's numbers this year through, three, through four games are identical. It's insane. They are identical to where they were at this point last year. So, I mean, I think what, what that tells us is that last year when we saw Tua uh, early season talking about him as a potential MVP, it wasn't a fluke, and nor is it a fluke now. There obviously was one difference, uh, and that was the injury. So, I, look, I, I mean, this team went up against the Bills and held their ground with Skylar Thompson – as their quarterback and a defense, by the way, that was not being run by Vic Fangio. Uh, They are far better equipped to go into Buffalo and win this game. That being said, I think that 
uh, to understate, and I think Mike McDaniel did a good job of this, um, of, of saying this the other day, to understate where the Bills currently are because of, you know, their week one struggles and then week two started to seem a little bit better. I was at the Bills game uh, this weekend when they played the Commanders. That defense is for real. Josh Allen is, is figuring out how he wants to play this season. And I think they are extremely dangerous. So to me, this is going to have the feel, the closest thing to a playoff type feel for uh, a game in the first quarter of the season. So a lot of people will look at the Dolphins and the first thing they'll think about is what they most recently saw, the performance against Denver where they hung 70 and won by 50. Right. If you go back a week before that, however, they still look fantastic in that win at New right. England, but that's a good defense. That's a tough road spot. Hung 24 points, had less than 400 total yards. Is Buffalo's defense capable of getting a similar result? Absolutely. Oh, a similar result to the Patriots, you mean? Like, yeah, like in terms a, of a limiting of that yes. offense. Yes, yes, they they are. I mean, limit, again, though, what does limiting mean, to your point? Like, that has to be countered by good offensive production, and the Dolphins are also coming with really good defense. So, can they limit it? Yeah. Anybody who's, you know, I saw, like, some Dolphins fans, God bless them, I live in South Florida. Uh, I understand their pain for the past several years. But it's amazing how, like, a 70-point game can immediately change the personalities of the fan base to where they're like, yeah, that's what we do. We hang 70. It's like, no, (laughs) don't. That's that's literally an historic performance that deserves every bit of praise that it has gotten, but it should not be uh, expected on a weekly basis. They could go in and and put up to your point. Uh, Look, the Bills had nine sacks in this last game. They had, uh, what, three interceptions, I think, Sam Howell threw. They were so incredibly disruptive in a game, by the way, where it was all about the commander's defensive front. So 100%, um, the Dolphins cannot expect to do what they did against the Broncos, nor should they be overlooking the Bills in any way. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. You mentioned Fangio. I'm just really interested for those who don't understand how much of an impact he makes where is the biggest difference for the Dolphins defense this year because they're obviously not going to get a whole lot of play considering what's going on with the offense yeah no doubt I mean Fangio is just is known for his creativity on the defensive side of the ball just his disruptive nature and and the players have talked about that throughout training camp Um, it's just it's like you said it's not as glaring as the type of creativity we're seeing on offense and it's not as obvious as like what Wink Martindale does, for instance, with the Giants, where it's like blitzing every single down. It's, it's, there's, there's a, there's, um, uh, I, I honestly think it's just his creativity in the meeting rooms. I, I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to with Fangio. He's, he is disruptive and he is willing to change a game plan accordingly. So it, it, it is not dissimilar to the other side of the ball, just in a much more violent way. In your study of Buffalo, we go back to week one. The offense looked terrible against the New York Jets, and there were a lot of overreactions. Since then, they've steadied the ship, but it was against the Raiders and the Commanders, not exactly the cream of the crop in the NFL. Is this Buffalo team kind of back in that mojo, back in that place where they're going to be a serious AFC contender, or have they just kind of covered up some of their issues with two softer opponents? No, I mean, I think I think the Commanders win was – I would counter that by saying that going into that game, all I was talking about on our air, for instance, and maybe it doesn't make me very smart, but how disruptive <laughs> that defensive front is. 
Um, I mean, they've got a lot of talent up front, and they went into that game tied for the lead with 10 sacks with the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, they're getting a ton of pressure uh, in the first few games of the season, and that to me, the other really interesting part, and I talked to Josh about this after the game, he only ran the ball three times in that game. So going up against the defensive front that was going to apply the pressure that we so highly anticipated, and ultimately Josh Allen staying patient and not doing what we've come to know him to do, which is just take off. Uh, I think that to me was the biggest reason why we should be bullish on the bills right now. It felt, and I said this to Josh, like it felt like all off season, we were talking about Josh Allen playing a certain way. And in this game, it felt like we saw that as opposed to the others games when he was taking, he was still taking too many hits, still leaving the pocket too quick. I, I think that this to me, if they can kind of bottle this up, is a reflection of what the Bills want to be this season. Uh, Jeff Darlington with us, ESPN NFL reporter. As you know, we've talked about a f- food a few times. So I think my goal now is for wherever you are each week yeah. is to somehow uh, ask you to go and eat something that would throw your body into some sort of metabolic shock. Um, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a skinny fat guy. Uh, <laughs> I, God, I hate I, people. thank God, have some good metabolism because – don't get me wrong. I am not a healthy human. Okay. Uh, we talked about nachos last week and how yeah. you despise them. I didn't have your No, this, you know, that's not right. That's not, that's not your mischaracterizing okay. yeah. my take. No. The okay. man loves let a good me, nacho. Let me, I, exactly. A good nacho. I was nacho. staring at a tray of circle chips. The ones you, you described exactly that you despise. The circles. The yes. chips that are circles. Yes. And a, and a vat. I will call it a vat of a bright neon yellow cheese substance. Uh, I piled up an entire plate of those chips with an, a, a second plate of the cheese. Wow. Uh, I was going to text you that. I didn't have your cell, unfortunately. I'll have to send me that so I can show you that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty vile human myself. You know? I don't say so myself. <laughs> Uh, two things. Number one, I have your cell, and I've texted you before, so I'm glad it meant so much to you <laughs> that you made sure to hang on to it. Uh, secondly, um, are you familiar with the walking taco? Oh, I, I, I do that in Michigan. My my wife's family does that. Uh, with the, you take a bag of chips and you, you make the, 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 the taco in the bag, right? Yes, you, you take a bag of Doritos, you cut it along Not the bad. side, and then you dump in the salsa, the guac, the cheese, all, all that stuff, and is you eat like it a, with a is fork. That a, is, that a, is that a regional thing? You're not from Michigan, are you? Uh, no, it's, I think it's a Midwest thing, but they have it at yeah, Highmark Stadium, so I'd appreciate it if you would go ahead and uh, load up on that for oh, lunch. Oh, do they? Yeah. Do they have that at Highmark Stadium? They well, do. Go check that out. I'll go in my suit and like go find a quiet corner where no one will bother me and make fun of me. For... Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey, we appreciate it as always. We'll talk next Friday. All right, I'll uh, go ahead and save your number there, babe. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. It's Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Is the honeymoon over for Jordan Love? It's next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 8. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. There's the snap, fakes the give, sets in the pocket, throws over the middle, knocked up in the area, intercepted, intercepted by the Lions, come back the other way, Jerry Jacobs, picks up a block at the 15, Jacobs cutting back at the 10, Jacobs spun down at the 7-yard line, a takeaway for the Lions. Boy, the Lions were terrific last night, but there really can't be anything taken away on Jordan Love if you're doing that. You're just not paying attention. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, on your smart speaker as well. Hey, don't forget, you miss any of the show, make sure you are locked in on the Carlin versus Joe podcast. It is available wherever you get your podcast. You miss the show, boom, it's right there. Subscribe, rate, review, the whole bit. Joseph, I don't know a damn thing right now about Jordan Love, and I think anybody that says that they do is really speaking out of turn. He has looked good on a couple of occasions. He has looked not so good on a couple of occasions. But last night, it's impossible to try to figure out what was going on with Love when you have nobody on that offensive line, on the left side specifically, that is able to block for him at all. We talked about it going into yesterday. Had to be an Aiden Hutchinson game. He had one and a half sacks. They had four sacks in the first half. He didn't have much of a chance to do anything. I don't know what Jordan Love is yet. No, no, you can't. It's way too early to go making any major determinations. If he had had four incredible games in a row, that's one thing, right? To see that that early, you can start to think, all right, maybe we've got something here. Like we're starting to see that with C.J. Stroud in Houston after the Jacksonville game. Wow, this guy might have something. With Love, if he's playing average to slightly below average, and he really hasn't been that bad, it just wasn't a great showing last night, you give it some time. Because his weapons haven't been around him. To your point, the offensive line was banged up. Let's go back. What what start was this for Jordan Love? In his first year on the job, his first full year on the job, this was start number four. So let's look at his predecessor, Aaron Rodgers, and let's go back to his first full year on the job and look at start number four, shall we? Sure. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the fourth start of Aaron Rodgers' first season on the job, he was 14 of 27 in that game, which is 51%. He threw for 165 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and he was sacked three times. Yeah. To compare, Jordan Love last night, 22 of 36, 246 yards, 
One touchdown, two interceptions, sacked five times. Lost by 14. I believe Rodgers went on to lose that game by nine. So, yeah, let's just chill out, okay? Because anyone who's throwing in the towel on Jordan Love, start number four for Aaron Rodgers was even worse. I mean, just look at what they had to do to get pressure on him. Or really, what they didn't have to do. They didn't have to blitz at all. They got home with four. And to that point, so there was pressure on Jordan Love 13 times last night. Only two of those involved blitzes. Only two for the entire night. So when that's the case, I mean, it's you have a good enough defensive front as it is with the Lions, but when you've got nobody in front of you that is getting the job done and protecting you, how are you supposed to accurately evaluate somebody? And I, I think Matt LaFleur is probably of a similar mindset. Here he is after the game on the lack of protection around him. Yeah, it's hard to throw on your back. Um we gotta, we got to protect them better. we got to look at some of the things we're asking our guys to do. Um, in the second half, we had one of the protections. That's 100% on me. Called a play, play pass. They brought a blitz. It was uh, when he spit the ball out to Rome. We lose 11 yards on that play. That's, that's on the play caller. That's a bad play call for the situation. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around. If we want to also throw in the fact that Luke Musgrave gets hurt in the first half and... So you lose one of your weapons right there. Christian Watson was active, not doing much, though. They have good young receivers. Jaden Reed, you saw him catch a ball later on, uh, a deep ball, and he had a few catches last night. They have good young receivers on that team. It's just a matter of being healthy and giving this guy an opportunity. He's been around for a few years, and I do think sitting will benefit him. I don't think it's a massive learning curve here for love. You just have to give him a chance. You're in a situation, too, where I think you understand what this year is. You obviously want to compete. You want to look good. You want to challenge for the division. But you're coming off a pretty unprecedented 30-ish year run of Hall of Fame quarterback play between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, at some point, you're going to take a step back which is probably what we're going to see this season. What makes it so difficult to swallow is that the Bears stink, the Vikings stink, the Lions are solid, and the rest of the NFC is somewhat thin. So there are wild card opportunities out there for you. That's what's going to make it tough because you can challenge for a wild card spot. But if you're Green Bay, life's been good for a while. This is what happens post-Hall of Fame quarterback play. You're going to need to develop them. You're going to need to get healthy on the O-line. You're going to need to get the weapons back, and then you'll see what you have. But give it time in the evaluation process. LaFleur's a pretty solid head coach. This is a pretty well-run organization. They've been competitive for a while. If this is the guy, give him time to show you whether or not he's the guy. Don't be impetuous. So many of these teams, as we look around at the teams that can't figure it out, they just keep shuffling through general managers, coaches, quarterbacks. Look at the Lions in your division consistent they brought in Dan Campbell they said you're the guy year one year two year three they've gotten a little bit better each year they're showing progress they look like a team with a clear plan and a clear identity that's what you need to have if Green Bay identifies who they want to be and they're able to build around that and make progress incrementally over the next few years everything's fine don't expect it to turn overnight. The teams that flip the switch overnight, like Miami seemingly, that's rare. More often than not, it requires you to build it up. It even took time for Shanahan in San Francisco. It took a year for Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia to get it going. Give it some time. So we've got Philadelphia and San Francisco on the top tier, right? Yeah, of course. 
Then is it Cowboys and Lions on the second tier? So yesterday we did we did not have the Lions on that second tier. We had the Cowboys on tier two. We had the Lions tier three, and we discussed how there wasn't a whole lot that could be done against Green Bay that would change our opinion. I I I feel like that may have been misguided. I don't want to be the guy that goes too crazy based on one performance, but they're building a bully in Detroit. And they just bullied the Packers all over their home field on the short week Thursday night football. I'm starting to think, like, if you're going to put Detroit and Dallas next to each other, I mean, can we really hold Detroit that far back behind the Cowboys? No. And I actually had the Cowboys on the same tier as the Packers yesterday, and I can't do that now. I can't do that. Okay, so we're going to make an adjustment there. Okay, guys. Cowboys below Packers is what you're saying. Uh, I, I say Cowboys. No, they were <laughs> other way around. Packers now below Cowboys. Thank you. Okay, Thank just you. to make sure. Yeah. Look at you. You're trying to catch him. Catch him off guard. You're not going to get. <laughs> yeah. But I will. I know say, it's lunchtime. I know you're. Th- I know where you're thinking. I know where the head's at. My body's adjusting to having a later lunch. It's actually working out quite well, to tell you the truth. Very European of you. Uh, it really is. You know, you get a little siesta later on. You know, I wish that was the case today, but it's not. Uh, you know, the Cowboys, I don't have them in front of the Lions right now. I, I have them on the same level as the Lions right now. Now, I told you, to me, the bigger test is next week. And I know it's crazy to say this, but I really want to see Detroit be able to stay consistent and not play down to the level of an opponent after a big win this week. That was a big win the other night. Get a little mini buy here, and then you've got Carolina at home next week. Go out and bury the Panthers at home. Go bury the Panthers so we can see a consistency level and you are not riding the roller coaster because otherwise you're just another team to me. Well, do they need to bury the Panthers or do they just need to get the job done? Because well, if they I mean, win the game, if they win ugly, yeah. a win's still a win in the NFL, yeah. right? Like yes. in college, there are much bigger mismatches. Right. Like Alabama barely getting by South Florida, that's, that's a major problem. But beating another professional team, it might not look pretty, but still very effective. But if you're playing against a rookie quarterback in your own building, you shouldn't have to sweat it out. Yeah, you sh- you, that's fair. And you have 10 days to get ready. Yeah. Carla versus sets. Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. The Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. Goose eggs across the board. Why Denver is actually a whole lot more interested in something else going on in their state this, in their state this weekend. It's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Is there anything else I can do for you three? Let me know when you're willing to do me a favor. Because right now, this is a very one-sided relationship. Joe, it's not a one-sided relationship. I loaned you my co-host. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a favor that is, by the way. (laughs) Hearing his takes on cheese on a regular basis. Oh, bacon. Just a delight for me. I agree with him. Bacon being cooked is the best smell in the world. Listen, you, you don't have to be passive aggressive, okay? If you want, if you have problems with my cheese takes, you bring it right to my face, all right? You don't subtweet me in the morning show. That's what you pretty much did right there. They, I'll tell you what, they, oh man, that is a, it's 6.15 in the morning out here in Vegas when I do that hit. And some people say, oh, 6.15 is not that early. No, it's, it's not because I'm up at like 3.45 because I've got other hits and other prep I've got to do for a very long day. And I love what I do. I'm not complaining about it. No, I'm just look saying, at me. I work very hard. Like <laughs> you walk into that hit and like right out of the gate, they're firing at you. They're not like, hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. They're like, see you shave the mustache must be eliminated in survivor and like right away you got to be ready to counter punch so they were coming at me early and uh you know you may have gotten caught in the crosshair there and caught some shrapnel i apologize for that it's not going to be the last time they use me as a shield i'm sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem <laughs> it's carla oh versus joe espn radio hey new segment alert new segment alert teams are already looking ahead to the draft. So you're ready for the draft. All right, it's time to have some fun. Have some fun. It's time to see who has the best odds this week to draft USC's Caleb Williams. The magic man pulls out the magic wand. This is cash in for Caleb. That's right. We are packing it in, Joe. We'll see you at the draft in April in Detroit. Yes. Oh boy! So here, got, here we go. There's a little segment we're going to be doing where we we're going to be tracking who's headed for the number one overall pick and whether or not it's Caleb Williams. I love the fact that we have just locked in on Caleb Williams because this segment has the potential over the next few months to just drive that point home. And then if he doesn't go number one overall, blow up in our faces in extraordinary fashion. Again, wouldn't be the first time that something no. like that happened, and I, I'd be fine with it if it does. But in the meantime, he's the guy. And we have got two matchups this weekend that could play a major role into who lands Caleb Williams. And those two matchups include two 0-3 teams in each one. First of all, the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. i tell you what, there is a game that should be a dog of a game in every single way, and yet... I am oddly intrigued, and I have a feeling that I'm going to end up watching a decent amount of that game in the quad box on Sunday. This game will definitely be in the quad box. It has to be. Now, for some clarification here on the cash-in for Caleb, when we're talking about these 0-3 teams, 
There are only four winless teams left, and they play each other this weekend. Yep. Right? So you have 0-3 Denver, 0-3 Chicago, 0-3 Minnesota, 0-3 Carolina. There will be two winners, presumably, although do you really win in a situation like this? Nobody wins, especially the viewers. If there are no ties, you're going to have only two 0-4 teams that are racing for that number one overall pick. Yeah. This conversation, this cash-in-for-Caleb-Williams conversation – It has to begin with the Chicago Bears. And I'm glad we're starting with Bears-Broncos. It has to begin with the Bears. Because the Bears right now are in a really dicey situation. They are awful. This is going nowhere close to how they hoped this year would go. It does not look like Justin Fields is the long-term answer. I don't know if Matt Eberflus, the head coach, is the long-term answer. I don't know if Ryan Poles, your general manager, is the long-term answer. These are all very important questions you have to ask yourself because you have an incredible opportunity coming up in this year's draft. Remember, it's not just you who stinks that could end up with the number one pick. You have Carolina's first-round pick as well, Mm -hmm. thanks to last year's trade where they moved up to draft Bryce Young. That means if you are the worst team in the NFL and somehow Carolina ends up being the second worst team in the NFL, you could have picks one and two. You could nail your quarterback of the future and then everybody's going to want to trade up for Drake May or whoever else at pick number two for quarterback and you're going to be able to stockpile picks for the rest of your roster. The Bears have a generational opportunity coming up. They have to ask themselves if they want this general manager and this head coach orchestrating that draft. Because if you do, then you better give them three to five more years on top of it to figure out their plan. If you don't, you got to clear it all out, move on from fields, and get ready to reboot the Chicago Bears next May. I have a feeling that they're going to move forward with the general manager, but not necessarily the coach. Okay. Because if you are in that position of where you're drafting Caleb Williams, you have to, have to, have to put him with a head coach that is going to develop him properly. You have to. And and not just a great offensive coordinator either because those guys are not necessarily all out there, right? Those Those are guys that are graduating to head coaching positions. So you have to feel good about where that is headed and, and frankly, try to find the next Mike McDaniel type coach to be your head coach. I have a feeling, though, that Ryan Poles is still going to be around and he will be the guy making those decisions for the Bears long term. Do the Bears win this game this weekend or do the Broncos? No, the Bears are going to lose this game because they're not good. Now, the Broncos are also not good, but Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are not looking to bomb out this season. Even though it might be in Payton's best interest to bottom out this franchise so he can get the number one pick, he can force Russ out, and he can do what he wants, at some point, pride's going to kick in. And if you're a member of that roster and you just got waxed by 50 in Miami, there's no way you can show your face at Soldier Field this weekend and lay another egg you can't as just as a just as a professional because that's what you are you're supposed to be professionals you show up and lose this game after what happened to you last week you might as well one two three cancun it and head for the offseason because that was disgusting last week you got to show some heart this week you really have to if you're the broncos the other winless game going on this weekend is minnesota And Carolina, as Joe just pointed out, Carolina doesn't have their first round pick. This game is in Charlotte. And we all know what we've been talking about with the Vikings. It's not just are they going to be in position to draft their next quarterback. It's are they going to get to a point this year where they're ready to trade away Kirk Cousins. And some of the teams that are potentially involved there, not just 
the Jets, maybe Washington. Maybe Washington gets involved. His former team, maybe there's a couple of other teams that actually start to creep forward that feel like they're in a decent position if they get good quarterback play or at least better quarterback play. I firmly look at this and think that the Minnesota Vikings are going to lose this game. Ooh, I, no. I, I really do. Really? I absolutely do. Uh, Carolina's defense, again, I don't think it's nearly uh, respected enough because of everything else that goes around with the Panthers. I think they spend a lot of time on the field. You got Bryce Young coming back this weekend. I don't necessarily believe that's a good thing, but I, I think they will do enough to win this game because I just there's no reason for me to – the Vikings have that vibe. They have that vibe of a team that's finding ways to lose games. Well, that was a team that found a way to win a lot of games last year. They won every coin flip and imaginable they were very last year. To do it. 11 and 0 in one score games and now the check is due. When you hear the phrase regression to the mean, that's what's happening with Minnesota this year. They're going to lose all the one score games essentially. Now there's two approaches for Minnesota here. Number 1 is to continue to play out this season and try to win every game imaginable. What that will result in is two things. One, you at best go to the playoffs and get waxed right out of it. And then you lose Kirk Cousins in the offseason, the free agency, and you get nothing in return. And you're drafting in the middle. And, okay, we'll see what happens there. Or two, you can assess who you really are right now. And they're not going to do this, and most teams would never even consider this. But you can understand that you're not going to compete this year. Get something in exchange for Kirk Cousins. Bottom out the season and go draft your your rookie quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams if you're number one, Drake May number two, whatever it may be. And then you can go pay Justin Jefferson because you're going to be in a position where you're going to have the money thanks to the rookie quarterback coming in. And, oh, by the way, the best receiver in the game is going to be at the disposal of your new rookie quarterback. That's a great way to reboot a franchise. I just don't think Minnesota is going to go that route because they're not going to want to give up on the season. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80 on your smart speaker. And, of course, you can always watch us on the ESPN app. Follow us uh, on Twitter at Carlin versus Joe, at Joe Fortenbaugh, at Chris Carlin. Up next, why last night's Lions win tells us a whole lot more about the Cowboys? <laughs> we'll explain in moments. I can't wait for the explanation because I'm not even sure. What's next <laughs> on ESPN Radio? This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Goff back, wants to throw over the middle. Got a man wide open. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Goff looked up, saw 14. There wasn't a Packer in sight. Goff takes, turns, gives to Montgomery. Straight up the gut. Pushes his way in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. David Montgomery powers it home. Man, we closed that game out with the offense, and uh, special teams continues to play well for us. So it was a great team effort, man. Everybody had a hand in that one. 
everything about Dan Campbell screams football coach. Everything. Like, just listening to him, you hear, in his normal tone, football coach. That's what you would immediately think if you knew nothing about him and you just heard him say any sentence. Football coach. Football coach. Yeah. I I mean, what else would you – maybe he he gives off some construction vibes. Like, if he's out there in the hard hat and he was operating a bulldozer or a jackhammer, I could see that as well. But football coach, if this were family feud, that would be the number one answer on the board. I I would agree. I would agree. Operating heavy machinery would be number two. I I absolutely agree with that. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Last night with the way Jared Goff played – it once again shows that maybe he's a little bit disrespected isn't the right word, but I would say overlooked as a quarterback. Okay. Um, they got him out of L.A. because they clearly wanted Matthew Stafford. McVeigh was very fond of him, but also there was a feeling of frustration with him of not being able to always decipher exactly what they were trying to do offensively. As much as we talked about earlier, the response of Jared Goff and the Lions after an ugly first uh, series, uh, we, we talked about the Lions part of it. We really didn't get back to the Goff part of it. Because there was a time in Goff's career where that game might have spiraled on him. And it didn't. Like, he throws a pick off his back foot on the first series of the game, and then he comes back and he's just making plays all over the field. It, it's as impressive as can be, and it brought Chris Canty this morning to make a statement about Jared Goff from uh, when he was on uh, his show on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio that I think a lot of people, if they think about it, would agree with. If you go back to the start of 2022, in terms of putting his offense and his team in position to win and not doing things that are detrimental, that cost you opportunities to win— Jared Goff, by far and away, does that better than Dak Prescott. Jared Goff was top five in QBR last year. He's top five in QBR again. Dak Prescott has shown himself to be a quarterback that turns the football over at the most inopportune times. That's not necessarily something that we've associated with Goff since he's been with the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff and Dak Prescott are right there eye to eye, and I'm not sure that Goff doesn't give this offense a better chance than what we've seen from Dak more consistently. I hear it. And I agree with it. That's it. You just agree with it flat out. I, I do. Well, I think, I think I've said enough. Well, I mean, we look at golf, two separate locations, two different coaching staffs. When they have built well around him, when you've put weapons at his disposal, when you've protected him and you've given him a good defense, he's shown you that he's capable of winning you games. He was in a Super Bowl for crying out loud. Now, a lot of that credit will go to McVeigh, and then McVeigh went on to win with Matthew Stafford, but golf still had to play a role in getting him there. We can't have it both ways. We can't say the quarterback position is the most important on the field and then say, well, golf didn't really do anything. It was McVeigh, right? You got to give him some credit there. And you have to give him a decent amount of credit. Is he elite? No. But he was good enough to help captain that team to that game. Now here he is in Detroit. He's once again being put in a favorable situation. There are weapons around him. There are linemen around him. There's a good defense there. And he's winning games. I mean, he completes a high frequency of his passes. He's at 69% on the season, which is fantastic. All right, six touchdowns, three interceptions. He could clean that up a little bit. He's taken only five sacks on the year through four games. So he's getting the ball out of his hands. You're in a position where you can make a run with this guy, as we've seen before. Prescott, I mean, have... Is there any more he can be given? 
And what I mean by that is there are some guys like Justin Fields, when we looked at last year, we said, my God, if you just gave this guy an O-line and some weapons, maybe he could be something. It feels like Prescott's been given everything a guy needs to succeed, and he hasn't been able to take it to the highest level, right? Like, he's played behind some great O-lines. He's had some really good running backs. He's had some really good wide receivers, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. He's gotten good defensive play to back him up. I don't know if the coaching is that awful that it's derailing him. So, yeah, I could see why if you want to go with golf over Prescott, I think there's a very good case to be made. I mean, well, what hasn't Dak Prescott been given in his career? No, I totally agree. Well, he has had more than enough opportunities, which is when people criticize him, it's fair. Because when you turn the ball over at that rate that you did last season, they're going to expect that that's going to continue. And last week, it happened. Now, when you have that much to work with, you should be able to play better. Dak is not horrible, okay? There were times last year where he played at that level, and last week certainly came up small in a big situation. But at the same time, when you look at this situation, there is no need for us to be able to say that you would rather have Jared Goff than Dak Prescott right now. Because of everything that you just said, and I think Dak is more talented than Jared Goff is. I think he's capable of doing more. And Goff just doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And they have learned to maximize what he does very well. Let's, let's not forget something here about Goff. Detroit got two first-round picks back from the Rams as part of that deal, not just for Stafford, but for taking Goff back. Like, it was not, we have to have Jared Goff back in that deal. It was, oh, no, Goff is making a lot of money. you got to give us another first-round pick with this in that big deal. So, in a lot of ways, I wouldn't use the word throw-in, but we're not far off from what that was supposed to be. And now look at him. That we're legitimately having this discussion is amazing. And then I'll take it a step further. It is just so amazing to me, and it speaks to the quality of the job that Campbell has done and that McCarthy has put himself in this position that you can actually have the discussion about who you would rather have in a big game. At the moment, I'd still have to take McCarthy just out of experience, but there have been times where he has not exactly distinguished himself. Dan Campbell hasn't coached a playoff game yet, and if you can legitimately have that discussion, it speaks more about Mike McCarthy than it does Dan Campbell. Well, the problem for McCarthy is that we've seen so many mishaps in so many big spots. That's kind of what he's synonymous with. When you ask people about his coaching and how did they, how would they evaluate it, you hear more about the poor game management than you do yeah. about the fact that he won a Super Bowl. Like, that's not, you don't want to be in that situation. So that speaks to the game management issues. For Campbell, the team's three and one. They looked very good last night. But let's not overlook the fact that he made some very, very poor choices in week one against Kansas City. Yes, he There did. were some spots where it looked like the Lions were trying to give that game away. He also made some good decisions. I think they had the fake punt early in that game in their own territory. Yep. I like that. I like the fact that they were trying to take it to the Chiefs on the road. But there were also some very questionable calls. So when it comes down to which coach we're taking, I, I long term, I love how Campbell's building a bully. But in a crucial late fourth quarter situation, I'm not necessarily sure he's my guy just yet. I'll, I'll say this for Campbell. You never feel like he's not trying to win the game. In other words, 
he's always going to take a chance to try to put the game away yeah. as opposed to playing the safe route and kicking a field goal or such. He's always going to go for it when he can. Seems like it. Certainly yeah. seems like it. And you it, like that. It absolutely feels that way. And look, that kind of thing permeates down through the attitude of a team. And that speaks to where the Lions are right now. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.